AJ, you know what Ruda. the difference between a prospect and an NHLer is? Uh, a lot of things. You're not wrong, but one <laughs> of the main ones is prospects are boys and NHLers are men. Mm-hmm. And the quickest way to achieve becoming a man is through Manscaped, the best ball hair trimmer in the world released by them the lawnmower 3.0 you can now pick it up in their perfect package kit that comes not only with the trimmer but with their crop preserver anti-chafing deodorant and spray on ball toner as well to cover all of your needs below the belt and you can get it all for 20 percent off plus free shipping at manscaped.com when you use code dnvr20 no more mess down there. Get it looking clean. Keep it clean for your ladies and just feel right under yep. those boxers, underwear, whatever you might wear. Gotta say, man, it's definitely true. There aren't any boys out there that own lawnmowers. <laughs> Real men own lawnmowers. Confirmed. That's right. That's Ma- right. Exactly. Manscaped.com, DNVR20. Let's jump into the show. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits, the place to pick up any type of beer you can possibly imagine. They have over a thousand different varieties. I am Rudo. With me, as always, is A.J. Hayfley. And today, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to be taking a look at not any particular prospect on the show, but more talking about the process, the way that we get into prospects, the way that we watch them, what we look for when it comes down to a player... In any given situation, in any given system, and how we value their assets going into a draft. So, I want to start, AJ, before you've even watched the prospect, what's the first thing you do? How do you even decide which prospects you want to watch? Uh, I mean, are we talking like at the very beginning of the process? Sure, let's, let's start with step one. Um, basically, uh, I'll start just by looking at a, at a, just a quick ranking list. Yep. You know, where do I want to start? Who do the people who have been following this for, you know, for a living, like, where do they want, where, where are they starting? And then that's kind of where I'll begin and I'll work my way down. Um, and then the second thing that I do is I look at what league they play in. That's just for accessibility purposes. <laughs> yeah. I, as much as I love prospects, if you're playing in, like, the DEL, <clears throat> going to be hard to watch you. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Like, the those guys will get put on the back burner uh, until later on. 
when I'm when I when I will specifically reach out to their clubs and ask for video for uh, from the teams themselves. Yep. Um, and then uh, after that, I look at their size. I look at the measurables. What am I looking for here? Is this kid a six foot six, seventeen year old who's you know one hundred and seventy pounds or whatever? You know what? What am I? What am I? What am I looking for? What What am I expecting to see on the ice here? Am I Am I watching a five foot eight defenseman? Am I, am I watching a six foot four finish forward? Yep. Playing for Turku, you know, like <laughs> what? Uh, what? What kind of kind of just building the information base, and then um, for me, what I do um, is I make no cards. Actually, I just have one uh, sitting here. <laughs> See, there you go, defenders and forwards. Yep. Um, so that's where I start. I kind of make lists as I go of no cards of draft prospects, uh, and then um, I basically fire up their games. I I will get a list of their games, uh, ones that I can get, and I try if I if possible, I try to get them into games against other prospects, and so that way I'm not. You know, you don't want to watch you. You don't want to watch your prospects, the guy that you're trying to get a, get eyes on, against the worst team in the league, right? You know, or if that if it is the worst team in the league, they better have a Peyton Krebs. You know, yep. There needs to be a reason to watch the that team. Yep. So that way, not only can I can I get an eye on that guy. But I can also start to get some 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 kind of a feel for other guys in the game as well. For sure. Uh, if if there are other players in the game, you know, there was a uh, when I started doing this seriously back in 2015, uh, that St. John's team in the queue had I think six or seven guys. Yep. That ended up getting drafted from it, and <clears throat> that's that was where I started. Is like I watched. You know, okay, cool. I'm gonna watch Thomas Shabbat in this game, and then, okay, I'm now I'm watching Jakob Zaboral, but I can't stop watching Shabbat because he, boy, does he look really good. The flashes show up for players. Yeah, exactly. Right, and and then you know you start to get familiar. You watch four or five games from a team. That's kind of my goal. Is I I try to watch five games per prospect. Um, ones that are harder to get your eyes on. If I can get to three, I'll be happy. Yeah, I mean, you do what you can. Yeah, it especially I, you, I try to make three like a minimum floor for as many yeah. guys as possible. Definitely. But I, I think you brought it up in a good way where you're widening your information base. You'll notice the things that AJ and, and I follow kind of the same thing that you look at. What league do they play in? What are their size? What kind of skill sets do they have? We have not yeah. talked That's about you'll get into yeah like the skill set stuff is like it's kind of like last for me right the the things that are deeper on this list are first the players stat lines in production yeah and their skill sets because first of all the stat lines can be very dependent on this information of okay well they play in the del and they tore up a, a men's league that is extremely weak or you know what they play in the shl which is a league that's very hard to score in so it uh, it matters quite a bit, the information that you need to collect before. If you're 
doing some box score scouting, you have to understand the context that you're looking at. Definitely. When you and and like pulling up the box scores and that's another thing when you're trying to which games do I want to watch? Like you want to pick a game where a guy has a good night. For sure. You know he's gonna have a good night. You know, you don't want to just pick games totally at random. You wanna, you know, if you're watching <clears throat> if you're watching Cole Perfetti, you you don't want to watch a, too many games where he only has you know, where he has zero points. Right. You want to watch a game where he's got five points. You also want to watch a game where he has zero points because you want to know why. You want to know what's going on. You want to see every facet of the player. Right. You want to you want to expose yourself to as as much information as possible. If all you do is watch, you go through and you say, oh, well, he's got five points in this game. And then the next couple of games, he's got a handful of points in all of these games. You know, you're going to see the player at his best and you're only going to think, you're you're only going to be familiar with what happens when that player is playing really well, yeah. Exactly. And that's going to give you a warped sense of of how he's playing. So you do want to kind of balance it a little bit. You want to you want to try and find games, and this is a lot easier to do in the CHL, especially um, and the USHL. Find a game where his team gets blown out eight to one. Yep. And see see what he looks like. You know, try and watch his body language. Watch how he plays how he reacts, um, you know, all those types of things. You want to, you want to, the, the basic idea when you're just setting up and you're just trying to track down games, you're just trying to get started on a guy. You want to open yourself up to as much information as you can and also be realistic. When I started this in 2015, it was more like, it was, it was like, Hey, I'm going to try and watch 10 games. Yep. And, then you start to understand, hey, if I want to, if I'm only going to watch five guys watching 10 games, watching 20 games, isn't that, isn't that difficult? But if you're in, 20, to watch... in 2017, yeah. when the ads were drafting fourth, I watched 42 yep. Brooks Bandits games. Yep. Because I needed to watch Kale McCarr. He was the only guy I was really uncomfortable with. I didn't watch him during the season very much. I was just, I just was very unfamiliar. So I watched. 42 freaking Brooks Bandits games. Yeah. You have to a lot of AJHL dude. You have to put in that work sometimes if you're uncomfortable with a guy and it depends on the things you're hearing around the league. Makar was a bit of a late riser in his draft class. So he wasn't someone that you were consistently watching over the season. It's okay. The draft is in three weeks and this guy all of a sudden is getting taken fourth in every mock need to dive into that need to understand why and that and and that brings me to the other the other thing is kind of kind of understand your draft class yep you know you this is really difficult to do if all you do is wait till the end of the year and then you try and do all the catch-up work for sure it's a lot harder to do you need to keep an eye at least an eye on things yep uh, as the season progresses and 2017 was a very interesting year because that was the year nico Heischer. You know, he debuted on Bob McKenzie's list at like 19th or something and right. ended up being drafted first overall. And that was a big deal to make that leap. And Timothy Liljegren, it was, it was felt like a stone. Nolan, yeah. Well, it was Nolan Patrick and Liljegren. And both of those guys had injury issues in their draft years. Yep. And uh, Liljegren had mono of all things. And so, you know, it's like, 
it it just muddied the waters. It complicated the process so much. For sure. And and that opened up that particular draft class to a ton of variance throughout the season. You know, you remember back to, to, to 2011, like a guy like Landeskog kind of went wire to wire as a top prospect. We were talking about him in February when the abs completely fell apart. Yep. And but the guy taken right after him, Jonathan Uberdo, was not a top flight prospect at that point. He was a super late riser because he blew up in the Memorial Cup in the second half of the season and put himself at the top of that draft. So you kind of want to have context here of the stories of how guys got to where they are when it comes to the rankings. And this year is going to be unique in that we didn't have a second half of the right. season. There isn't. And we had no international competition afterwards where you get to see these guys against their peer group the all U18 on kind worlds of a, and things like that yeah right and that's why those tournaments are so valuable there i know there are some people that don't take tournaments as a very valuable tool because it's all small sample sizes and it's kind of it's kind of all over the board right if a guy plays really 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 well it does great things for him if a guy doesn't play well you can make every excuse in the book for him it just kind of depends on how you approach it. I like I like international tournaments because it is a peer group. It's it's all star teams of that peer group right. kind of coming together. It and and you get to really feel out where guys are in certain situations and in different roles. You know, Team Canada especially, you get a lot of guys that are playing in depth roles that are top flight players on their teams. Well, and you'll see. With, we'll be watching Wallander later today as a bit of a watch along. And the reality is, Swedish Juniors is full of a bunch of dudes that are never going to be NHLers. Yep. You go to these international tournaments and you get to watch a whole bunch of NHLers. Maybe not everyone in the tournament, but a lot of those guys are going to go on to have NHL or at very least very good pro careers. And, and and when you go to the international tournaments, a lot of those guys get drafted. Yep. Very, that's, very many. That's a big difference from, you know, when you're back and you're in the you're in the super elite league in Sweden and you're on you're on your U twenty team and, you know, three of those dudes get drafted. Right. So it it's understanding where they are truly shaping up against their peers as far as NHL draft realistic players. Yeah. And you can't just look at a box score and say, oh, well, this guy only had, you know, seven points in 35 games in the KHL as a, as a teenager. You know, you and I look at that and we say, you played 35 games in the KHL? Not even 20. Like, and, and put up seven points. Right. Hello, sir. Like <laughs> that's somebody we're going to spend more time with because 100%. that's 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 a that's a very intriguing combination. You know, now it's understanding. You know, and that's that. I think that is something that will come in time. Yep. Is understanding the different contexts involved in the different leagues. Something that helped me a lot in that regard, and you have to take everything with a grain of salt of course but looking into nhl expectancy rates for these leagues yeah. and you it's not perfect but you get some comparisons you start to understand oh, okay wow it's really hard to score in the shl oh you know what it is a little bit easier to score in the queue 
So you you can start to contextualize the numbers a little bit. And at the end of the day, the numbers are still just numbers. It's just as important at looking at what they do when they aren't scoring, as we said. But we can get into that more after our first break here, as it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR, as I take a sip from my beer right now. They have any number of different amazing beers. I love them all. Their new Summer Pills is their current seasonal they have going on right now. You can pick that up. And many more from the farmhouse down in Littleton. You can also get $5 off a meal from the farmhouse when you use code DNVR and schedule your pickup at 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. every single day. Or you can always get your Breck Brew delivered through an app like Drizzly. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's beer, wine, and spirits. So we've kind of talked about the reality of if you want to scout prospects, a lot of it is just doing the legwork, doing the diligence on research. But eventually you do have to actually watch these guys and you do have to actually break down their skill sets. I can tell you the first thing I look for, every single prospect I watch, the first thing, their first couple of shifts, the only thing I'm really trying to watch is their skating ability. Yeah. 100% 100% it's where it starts. And when you talk about skating, it's a very broad term. Yeah. There, I we're, We've talked about doing for our draft coverage for some prospects will likely giving scores in different assets that players have. Mm-hmm. And skating is always an incredibly difficult one to score for me. Because you can say, well, this guy has 9-10 and acceleration, but his footwork is 5'10", or his top speed is great, but he takes a while to get there. His edge work is weak, but at the same time, he has an explosive stride. So, as AJ's smirking at something over there. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's, that's kind of, you're, you're trying to, you know, what kind of stride does he have? How much power does he have? What kind of balance does he have? What's the edge work like? What does it look like when he's under pressure? Um, you know, how does how does a stride change? You know, how does he skate based on uh, what situation that he's in? You know, what does he look like in the open ice versus when he's down in the corner and he's trying to slip a check? You know, what kind of what's the balance like? Like, yep. what are how does he handle how does how does he handle all the different situations? You know what? Because there there are guys who, you know, when we were watching the the Avs 96 cup run, I just, I kept marveling at what great edge work Adam foot had. Yeah. Cause it's not something that we talked about with footer. We talked about the physicality and you know, he, Oh, he was mean and he was nasty. He was great defensively. And a big part of that, a big, you know, going back and watching it was he was a great skater. It's not, not explosive, not fast, but he had great balance and his edge work was phenomenal. He could stick with guys and that, that kind of stands out to you. You know, you look back at Duncan Siemens and that was the one thing that we always talked about with Siemens, right? That, that when you watched him play, his skating was so good. It was his, the power and the balance and his ability to transition forward, backward, backward, forward. He could get going and do anything he wanted to do. It wasn't explosive, but it was, it was powerful 
and it was very balanced and he did a great he he was great on his feet and it was just one of those natural raw abilities that he had as a as a prospect that made him so intriguing and and these are things that you don't even really need to compare to other players on the ice with the skating when you're watching a player skate you can just tell when they're smooth if their skating looks choppy it's going to feel choppy to your eyes yeah it, it's something you can just see and and adjust to and you can step it forward bit by bit and say oh wow he just blew by that guy or or you know what he really couldn't keep up with a player or, or whatever but you can tell a good amount particularly with edge work when you see a player try to make a C cut or or hold up and and do a mohawk or something like that, yeah, you can just watch that player in a vacuum and 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 make judgments on that type of thing. And some guys, when you watch them enough, you know they they get they have little tendencies. Yep. Uh, I was always surprised Duchesne was as good a skater as he was because he took such choppy, yeah, uh, quick little strides. Where a lot of a lot of explosive fast skaters don't skate like that. They don't have those little like it was like he was taking like little bunny hops, like little mini steps. And like you watch how you watch how McKinnon and McDavid get up to speed. They don't it's just it, raw long stride power, basically. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's three steps and yep. gone with McKinnon and with McDavid. Now McDavid's unfair because he's the perfect skater. Yeah, that dude was a robot built to skate. Like <laughs> Yeah, he's he's a 10 out of 10 on the skating scale. Like he does everything perfectly. His balance, his explosion, his edge work, his acceleration, everything is incredible. And with McKinnon though, and it's funny because the Avs have two of these guys uh because the other Kale McCarr is also like this. It's those first couple of steps. They're so explosive. Yep. That it's almost like a it's almost like teleportation. Right. Where those first couple of steps, and that was that was the thing when they drafted Kale McCarr, and we were at his first rookie camp, and they were playing half ice. I had been totally underwhelmed by McCarr the entire he was, day. Had not shown in drills that much at all. It was very like, oh my god, what the hell is going on here? Yep. And then they got they cut it into half ice, and they were playing three on three. And I've been. All aboard yep. Kale McCarr is going to the Hall of Fame ever since. You saw him hit the gas once in a game yep. situation, and it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> straight up. And it's funny because, like, I feel bad because, like, <laughs> some of those some of those guys are, like, not going to name names, yeah. but, like, he dusted a couple of those dudes <laughs> in a way that, like, I was like, that guy might be awake right now thinking about that. <laughs> wakes up in a cold and, sweat right because like he just he just disappeared and a guy like that very easy to see and yeah. that was the thing that i saw when i watched all those brooks bandits games was you could see that skating he was just there was just something else yep but even then even having watched all those games to see it live yep against other drafted guys who are you know you got to remember to, to get drafted you have to be a hell of a hockey player and so there aren't a lot of guys at these rookie camps that you roll in there. You know, there might be some tryout guys where you're like, eh. But there's not a lot of these guys that you roll in here and you're like, these guys suck, LOL. You're going to have multiple top 100 picks at all right. these camps. So. And and he rolled in there and to see it live was just like, Whoa, wow. <laughs> it totally flipped me on 
because I was I was not feeling good that day. Yeah, not at all. And then that happened. They got into their first hockey situation, and it was like flip switched and yeah, it, it was so nice. I suppose it was so nasty, dude. Yep. And like that's a special case, right? Yeah, I mean, but. You watch some of the other guys, you watch a guy like Cam Morrison, and it's on the opposite end right. of the skating spectrum where you're like, This dude this is, is chugging through mud and yeah. Yeah. This is this is a problem. So So skating is the first go to. I I think we've established that pretty well. My paths kind of start to diverge depending on the player I'm watching after that though. If I'm watching a defenseman, usually the first thing I'll go to after that is positioning and gap control. But, okay. and this is more of a, I guess to broaden the spectrum, the next thing I'll do as with players is start looking at their IQ in game situations. Mm-hmm. Can a player make a read of a play and position himself correctly on the defensive side? Can a player understand when he needs to seal off the boards or, or get open for an outlet pass or, or read the play in the correct manner? Yeah. So intelligence can be a difficult thing to gauge at times because Mm -hmm. you'll see a lot of times a player will just make the simple play because that's what you do in hockey the majority of the time you're not trying to do anything too fancy every single play but you can keep an eye on on some basic work from a player right coming down the boards you can see how do they set up their gap at the blue line where do they shrink it where do they where do they allow it to get wide? And this is over many repetitions. Like you can't make very much out of singular plays when it comes to these things. You need to get a consistent base for a player. And if you buy in too much to not even a single game, let alone a single play, you'll end up with some trouble there. So, Take it slow, I guess, is what I would say. Don't make any quick judgments. Yeah, you want to build the base. Yeah. You know, you want to build like a... um, One of the things that I've actually taken with me uh, in the process of learning, like, my entire life, is, like, my first grade teacher told me that in order to learn things, you have to build a pyramid of knowledge. And that means you lay the groundwork on like the bottom level is like your widest base. Gotcha. And then as you build each level, you get more and more specific down certain things. Uh, You know, and that's how you end up in a specialized field, right? Like you learn a lot about sports and then you learn a lot about hockey and then you learn a lot about defense and then you learn a lot about prospects and then it just gets more and more specific all the time until you're very knowledgeable about the the topic as a whole, but yeah. then one specific thing you really hone in yeah. on. And, and that's how I, I kind of go about it watching like and all of a wa- sudden watching you're... prospects where yeah. it's at first you just kind of want to get a feel for the player. Right. You want to watch a lot of it, right? Yep. You want to see what everything they do is. And then when you get that first game in especially, you're like, cool, 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 cool. And then you're able to really start to dig into, okay, now that I have a feel for his general around game, you know, and, and not drawing strong conclusions about right. whatever happened in that one game. And, it's, it's okay. Where do we go from here? And you get into the next game and the next game and you can start to 
find tendencies. Okay, the player was doing this in the last game as well. Okay, uh, this is something he didn't show in any other game. What's different? What's the same? What consistencies can you find? And and as you said, with the pyramid, by the end of it, you're like, you end up with a guy where you're like, oh well, when he gets the puck in the left circle. If, right. <laughs> But right. Well, when it got to the point last year, when we were talking about a guy like Newhook, where yeah. it was like, oh, defensively, he will completely shut down. Yep. He won't do anything until the puck gets near him, and then he goes zero to a hundred real quick, and he turns he turns into the ultimate pigeon, you know. And you're just like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> okay. And you start to you start to get very familiar with like specific tendencies on a guy, but when you first start out on him, you really want it to be you know, a wide base of, okay, here's, here's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I liked this from his game. I liked that from the game. I didn't love this. Like to see how he handles this Yep. in the next game. And then, you know, you watch him again and then, okay, how do I feel about these initial impressions? Where did I change? Yep. What moved, you know, okay. What got enhanced? Okay. If something got enhanced, then the third and the fourth and the fifth viewings, you know, how how much more enhanced did those get? Does that become, okay, that's a true strength of his. This is something where this guy's really, this this dude's nasty in this area. And, and when you're talking about first-round prospects especially, this gets a lot harder when you get into the mid-round, yeah. late-round guys. Trying to separate between what the hell is a fourth-round guy and a seventh-round guy could be nothing. Right. It I, could honestly just be personal preference. And I... Alex Bocage, the Avs third rounder last year, a great example of that. He got drafted in the third rounders because he had one high end skill. He's and, got an NHL tool right now. Yep. And that skill is very, very obvious. It's all about trying to figure out the, the levels of difficulty he's going to have with his other talents. Yeah. You know what? He can be solid physically. His skating is a massive issue. And that's where once you have a handful of games under your belt of these guys is you start working on the crossover. It's why I think we both start with skating is because that affects every single aspect of a player's game. If you can't skate, like you're going to have the problems add up really, really quickly because that just holds you back. That's your mobility. It's why it's why when you, you know, when, when we, the NFL draft just took place, it's why every single freaking player, even offensive linemen, have their 40-yard dash time cited. How fast is he? Yep. Because that's that's how well does this, you know, how quickly can this guy get up and down the field? Because that's just an inherent advantage. Skating is the same kind of thing. Although I was talking, you know, when you talk about 40 times, you're talking more about speed. And skating is its speed and agility and balance and, you know, all that, all, all of it all together. I, and that's I, where you just have to start with a guy. Number one thing that you have to start with on someone is skating. Can he skate? How can he move? Right. Because as you get to learn all these other things about him, what's he going to be doing every single time he gets out there for a shift? He's going to be skating. He may not shoot. He may not pass. He may not hit anybody, but he'll damn sure be skating every single time he's out there. So you're going to get as familiar. You got to start there. But it's also the easiest to get comfortable with because you see him do it constantly. Yep. And then you start getting these things breaking down into other situations. And while there are certain things I look for, a lot of the time, it's just whatever situations come up in the game. So as you're getting to know a player, 
you'll see him happen. You'll see situations happen to him, right? And in my head, I'm just kind of keeping tallies of things like, okay, good breakout, bad breakout, good breakout, bad breakout. And you're, I'm kind of counting and you, you start to see what his tendencies are. You start to realize, all right, this guy is consistently breaking the puck out well, or this guy is struggling with the breakout. You know what? I haven't seen him skate the puck on the breakout more. I would like to see him. I would like to find situations where he does that more. Then you yeah. can go out and look at look at certain targeted things for a player to start to understand exactly where you're getting into some of these deficiencies or positives in their game. Yeah. And we'll dive in probably even a little bit deeper in a second here. But as I do have the current UFC fights up on an additional monitor here, DraftKings is the place to go to make your bets on all sorts of different events. DraftKings Sportsbook is now here and legal in Colorado. And before you know it, you'll be able to bet on more than just UFC and Korean baseball. Sports will be returning hopefully sooner rather than later, but they are coming. Weird. What's weird? Did you hear that? I heard a little a little jingle, yeah. Yeah, that was you calling me on Discord. From, even though we're already in a call? Yeah, I was going to say, well, how long ago did that happen? <laughs> that 40 minutes ago? All right. Well, see, these are the technical difficulties that DraftKings Sportsbook does not have. If you keep an eye on their website, they have amazing opt-in deals all the time. In fact, for the UFC fights today, there was an opt-in where if you bet on someone that ends up getting finished in the fight, you'll get your money back up to $25. So they have some of the best deals around. And when you start at DraftKings Sportsbook, you can download the app and use code DNVR. For a limited time, new users will get a signing bonus of up to $1,000. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus of $1,000 bucks when you use code dnvr get on it while you still can must be 21 or older colorado only bonus comprised of first deposit bonus and a first bet match each up to 500 dollars. deposit bonus requires 25x playthrough restrictions do apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 all right third period of the dnvr avalanche podcast talking scouting and and looking at prospects so you know, I wanted to jump back to your new hook example quickly because you talked about, all right, this guy is a massive struggle in the defensive zone, but when the puck is near him, you see him turn into a different player. Mm-hmm. And those are the types of situations that I really look for in a player once you start getting down deeper into them because you're looking at where is room for improvability here? If you can turn Newhook into a player who plays like that in the defensive zone regularly away from the puck as well, you know, all of a sudden there's really something to that player on the defensive side. Right. You want to, especially defense, it can be, and especially for forwards, it can be hard to gauge because if, you know, not knowing how a team system is run, what he's being asked to do, it can be tough to tell. Sure. Hey, maybe this, maybe this guy's doing what he's being asked to do. But to us, we're looking at it and we're like, dude, what the hell are you doing? Right. And, you know, that that's that that's where getting familiar with the team and getting familiar with the, uh, watching as many games as you can really comes in in handy. Uh, and I would say it's also one reason why you would want to try to. When when we're talking about how we do this, where we try and look for certain guys for the abs. Yep. 
we try and hone in on players. You try to laser focus in on certain guys. And that gives you a chance to watch more games right. on them. Instead of just being like, okay, I've got 35 guys and I'm going to try and watch 10 games from all of them. It's really hard. It's, but I mean, you, you keep a, for me, you keep mm-hmm. a general breadth of, of everyone. You know, I, I tend to look at top 31 lists and try to watch a couple of games of, of everyone in the first half of the season. But you get past World Juniors, you get into January, and that's where I start looking at, okay, one, you're going to have a better idea of where the abs are picking at that point as the standings in the NHL are going to be more established. Mm -hmm. And two, lists around the league are starting to get solidified. So you can now narrow it down from, okay, here's the whole first round to, all right, the abs are going to be picking 26th. And here's a list of 10 guys either way that could mm-hmm. go at the 26 overall pick. And then you say, okay, now I have this group of prospects to look at. Now we start looking at each of them seriously. Pluses, negatives, situation that they're in, upsides, downsides. What to adjust, what to buy into, what you're not sold on. Yeah. Because that... <sighs> That's the interesting part for me is on a lot of players don't be afraid to form your own opinions I would say I I really dislike reading scouting reports on players before I watch them 100 I hate uh, same do not read those I hate having my thoughts biased by that before yeah. I've watched a player and formed my own uh, own ideas on a guy yeah, because it will it will tilt you. Because instead of watching a guy and thinking, "Oh, let's see how he does," you're watching. It's 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 you're fighting against confirmation bias. Where you're watching four things instead yep. of watching to see how they unfold. You're watching to see how they match up, how he matches up in these areas that you've already built certain expectations. Exactly. And so, so it's it's it can be really difficult to uh, to separate some of that. And be comfortable and, and having confidence in knowing like, you know, when I was, I was feeling much, much more comfortable with Kale McCarr in 2017, Corey Pronman, who's one of the more prominent prospect guys in the entire NHL sphere had him at 19. Yep. And like, he was confident and comfortable and had his reasons for having that guy at 19 but it certainly, you know, me, it gave me pause and said, okay, what am I doing wrong here? What am I on? Why? Why? What did you not does, see? Yeah. Right. What am I missing from this guy's game that would, because the difference between a top five pick and 19th overall, if you're the team drafting fourth, it's, you're hoping it's significant. Yeah. Right. If you're, if that guy at fourth ends up being a 19th overall pick, that's a kind of a miss. For that, yeah. that team. <laughs> yeah, if you do the redraft in 15 years and somebody takes him 19, you're done goofed, sir. Yeah. So it's, <clears throat> you know, you're hoping that, that that's, you have to have confidence in, in yourself, in your own evaluation, your own eyes, in your own experience, and then you'll build that up over time as well. You know, when you get, when you're right about a couple of guys, and when yep. you're wrong about a couple of guys, you need to go back and look at why. Okay, what did I miss? What did I, what did I overvalue? What did I undervalue? 
And then you try to make adjustments into how you did it. You know, going back to Pronman, he famously had Landeskog as a player that he wrote a whole piece on about why he wouldn't, you know, whoever drafts him is going to regret it. And then he it was such a bad miss on his part that he actually wrote a follow-up article a year or two later that that basically said how I reevaluated my own evaluation process because I was so wrong about this guy. Yeah, it's it's funny. And you have to do that. Like I, your goalposts have to constantly be moving. The, you have to be growing and evolving. Right. It, there is no magic trick to drafting, right? Obviously, you have yeah. to have an, a decent understanding of hockey before you get into prospects or, and, and an understanding what makes a good prospect. But yeah. at the end of the day, it basically boils down to putting in the work, putting in the research, watching the players, and always be learning. Yep. So the more you always, understand about always hockey... Always be learning. Yep. Capo Cacao was not the best player in last year's draft. Yeah, you're correct. He is not. No argument with that. I, I still love the player, but given the year that he had... Uh, Definitely would have been regretting taking him at one. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine like you? Yeah. Anyway, and that's <laughs> the other thing. Like even at the very top of the draft, sometimes some years you're just going to feel differently. Yeah. You're just not going to, I didn't think Nico Heischer was the top guy in 2017. I, I was very nervous about Nico Rantanen in 2015. I was very nervous about a guy who was six foot four and 195 pounds who did not play with a power element to his game at the time. And we both he thought... has since developed more of that. Yep. But he, he learned how something... to do that in the NHL. <laughs> right. It was something that really made me uncomfortable with him because it was cited as one of the big reasons. Oh my gosh, this guy can do all these things and he's six foot four. But it was like if you're six foot four and you play like you're six foot one, it doesn't matter. Well, not only did he play like his he was six foot one, his balance was awful. And which I mean, we all saw his rookie year where yeah. he looked like Bambi on ice. Exactly. And it was you know it was kind of a mess. And he has he has since gone from you know the slippery legged Bambi to the big moose and developed, but like. There are, and especially when it comes to like power forwards and large bodied dudes, you know, this, and we're running out of time, so we can't even actually continue to get too much into this. But like when it comes to those guys, you have to be, you have to be careful it, about guys who are, who are, who can physically dominate a league. And this is, I think, some of what we're seeing with Quentin Byfield this year at the top of this year's draft is. Was he just able to physically manhandle his way to such a high level of success? Or is he actually that good? Yeah. It, it's because a, when you're that big, man, it's you, you have to wonder. It's a serious question. Uh, scouts' jobs are to project players at the NHL level, but anyone who tells you that they can project guys consistently beyond special talents like a Kale McCarr skating and, and <laughs> things like that, yeah, no one can. Right. Everybody, the, the big thing is that everybody is wrong more often than they're right. Yep. Because you're talking about teenagers. Yeah. You know, exactly. there are guys, there are every single person who is seriously, who has taken this seriously, can name, who can rattle off guys that they were wrong about in their lives. You it's know, not, guys where it was it's like. It's not hard to find guys you're wrong about. 
And then there are some guys where you feel really, really good about every single year. And, you know, they, they might go a little bit lower and you just wait to feel vindicated about it. Yeah. I think we both had high belief in Duncan Siemens being an NHLer. Yeah. And that, so Siemens is interesting because this, this should probably be where we have to wrap this up because we have to get to our watch, but Siemens is an interesting case because all the physical tools were there. He was physical. He was nasty. He could skate. He had great size. He at the junior level was, was decent enough with the puck that you felt like he could get by. Yep. And he just felt like, Hey, this is going to be a guy. Maybe he gives you 20 points, right? Fine. Whatever. He fun. He falls his way backwards into 20 points in a season. Fine. But this will be a guy that stalwart defensively blocks shots and makes life absolutely miserable in, in his, in the own zone where, you know, you're, you're like, yeah, we have a real, we have a nasty defender back there that really brings a, 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 a physical element to, to this where it was hard to project and where him being on a really good blades team, his draft year made it difficult to parse was uh, he just couldn't process the game fast enough. Yep. And the, the, and that's the hockey IQ can, can, can be the downfall of a lot of really, really, really physically gifted players. The NHL is an extremely fast league. And if you can't think the game fast enough, you won't play it fast enough. 100%. But that is, a conversation I'm certain we'll have in this game of Wallander as well. Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting it. Cause this is a guy you look him up. First thing that stands out. He big. <laughs> He's a big dude. So, he okay. Big. And I promise now, you, he can skate. <laughs> let's, let's go in and let's, let's see what he looks like. Uh, yep. you know, as, <clears throat> as, as a bigger defender, there are certain expectations. How does he handle his archetype and what is, how does he fit into that and how projectable is he from there? Yep. All right. Well, we're going to get out of here for this podcast for today, as it is time to do our watch along. Y'all know the drill by now, as always, always appreciate y'all listening, especially during these times where who knows what you got going on in life. So, Many thanks to the the regular listeners of the podcast, and especially those here live. We are out of here. Have a good hump day. Catch you tomorrow. MSU Denver Online puts a a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs, and some of our very own staff members at DNVR are taking MSU Denver online classes this summer. Be sure to check it out today, whether it's your first time to college for existing students that are just looking to finish up, or for people who have been gone for a while and looking to return to college or retool and get a new degree. The NPR Avalanche